and welcome to Stops and Starts, a women's hockey podcast. This is episode 14, and I'm your host, Lindsay Glavin. In today's po- podcast, we are going to talk about the events of the year, sort of a year in review. Um, and at the very end, maybe I'll touch on the world championship that got canceled just a little bit. The two big winners this year, two biggest things that happened in women's hockey, in, in my view, were the return of Marie Philippe Poulin. Uh, she returned with a vengeance after uh, her injury in 2019 and missing uh, the 2019 World Championships and then just kind of not being seen due to recovering and the way the women's schedule was and then COVID. Um, So I think that was the biggest story. We'll touch on that. And the other biggest story was just some of the stuff that the PHF accomplished, specifically getting that ESPN Plus deal. Um, Those, to me, were the two biggest stories of the year. So let's start with uh, um, Poulin. Um, she made her return in May at the event that was held for the PWHPA, the Secret Dream Cup um, Championship that happened in Calgary. And she, in that tournament, she led all players in points with 11 points over the tournament. I think the next closest person had seven points. Poulin scored the game winner in the championship game. She scored, um, she was scoring goals in front of the net. She was scoring shorthanded goals. She just looked fantastic in that tournament. Um, and then Worlds came along eventually, eventually Worlds came along. And um, Poulin, again, she tied for third in points with nine. Um, but in overtime, obviously, was the, the hero for Canada on a pass from Jenner, um, her, her, her goal that went bar down and kind of popped out, but she knew she had scored. Um, so there she was once again, Captain Clutch for Canada, uh, leading Canada to gold in overtime on, on home soil um, at the World Championships when, when Canada really, really needed that win. And then um, they're now, you know, wrapping up, getting ready for the Olympics and the rivalry series. Yeah, the rivalry series essentially has wrapped. It was supposed to be nine games, but thanks to COVID, it was only six. Um, and she had, I want to say four goals, possibly five. Yeah, she had four goals in six games, including two game winners. Um, Poulin did. So um, two overtime game winners. So she, again, just looks fantastic. She was the best player on the ice in every event that she played in this year. And boy, is that exciting going into um, the Olympics for Canada. Um, A quick note on the rivalry series, even though that's the most recent thing, I'm going to kind of jump around um, and talk about some other things that happened this year. But so Canada ultimately won the rivalry series four games to two over the United States. One of the things that um, I can't get over is just how concentrated the goal scoring is on both teams. So for Canada, in the rivalry series, 12 of their 13 goals came from Fillier, Poulin, and Clark. Fillier scored five goals, Poulin scored four, and Clark scored three. Um, And then over on America's team, eight of 11 goals came from three people. Knight scored four, Skimura scored two, and Kessel scored two. Um, so it's kind of funny. Obviously, it's a team game, um, but in, in any given goal, could have three, four, or five people contributing to it, but just the concentration of goals in so few skaters. Um, so that was the, the first kind of highlight of the year that I wanted to talk about really was specifically Poulin. Um, the second 
big achievement this year was, from my perspective, PHF getting the ESPN Plus contract. Um, I don't know how that works. I don't know if PHF has to pay ESPN Plus for the opportunity to be streamed on there, or if it's the reverse where ESPN Plus purchases it from PHF. I'm very curious, and I'd love to know. Um, But, uh, you know, that was always one of the big struggles of the CWHL. They said, well, A, they had no money and their players couldn't get paid, but B, nobody knew they existed. They were impossible to watch, literally impossible. Um, Even in their final year, they did not have a consistent, reliable streaming option. Um, There was literally people, I think, streaming those games like to Facebook Live to try to make them available to be viewed, um, which is obviously no way to run a league that's going to last. So, and the NWHL was kind of similar, like they, they streamed their stuff, but it was on different platforms. You know, Twitch was, Twitch was okay, but it, it was just okay. You know, it's for heaven's sakes, it's, it's Twitch. I've never heard of Twitch. Twitch is for gamers, right? Whereas ESPN plus that's the worldwide leader in sports. Um, and, so they've now got a contract to have their games on ESPN Plus, all of them. Um, the Toronto games are on there, even though it's obviously in Canada. And the feeds are fine. You know, it's not NHL quality, but it's they're fine. They're watchable. And um, it's affordable, 7 bucks a month. And you get a ton of other content with it, including women's hockey. The ECAC is on ESPN Plus as well. So... Um, for me personally, oh, and they also archive their games. I'm not sure for how long, but for a certain amount of time. So what I do is I, I'll often watch um, PHF games just sort of like 20 minutes here or there um, just to have it on in the background or maybe in the morning before work, um, even if it's an archived game, just because I don't necessarily have the opportunity to watch everything live. Um, but I do try to watch especially the Toronto Six games. So them getting on on um, ESPN Plus has just been, for me personally, it has made it very accessible. And that was um, um, sort of, a, I think, a pain point of fans that needed to be addressed. Um, and this was them kind of ticking a box of something that the old CWHL just never kind of got taken care of. And even the NWHL, um, in the early years, they were kind of all over the place. They were streaming on Twitter. They were on Twitch you know, not always great quality, etc. So they took a jump in quality and they are on just a very well-known brand. So um, those, I think, again, that's the, the first was pool and the second was this contract that, that PHF got with ESPN+. Plus. To me, those were the two biggest things in women's hockey um, in 2021. Two biggest storylines. If I wanted to say of just some other highlights from my perspective, um, I would say I would, you know, I'll try to go chronological now, just kicking it back to January of 2021. Um, I figured out how to cast that Twitch stream to to my to my television. And I just remember watching a Saturday night game, Toronto versus Minnesota. And um, it was a back and forth game. So many lead changes. I expected it was um, I expected Minnesota to win just because they're Minnesota. And what do you know, Toronto was hanging in there and Toronto won. And it was like watching an NWHL star emerge before my eyes. Um, Michaela Grant Mentis, uh, I don't know how many points she had in the game, but um, she definitely got the game winner with like a minute left. 
the game was tied and she was just like, nope, I don't want to go to overtime and just kind of walked in um, and, and scored all by herself. So um, that was uh, definitely a highlight. I know that that bubble kind of fell apart, but they they kind of, their I think their commissioner knew, like, look, we need to make an effort at having a season. Um, we need to raise the cup in, in that bubble burst, obviously, not the first or last to do so. But um, there was still some good stuff there. And for me, you know, in 2020, the last nine months of it, there really was no women's sports to watch. Um, even Mercyhurst, I don't think they played their first game until December of 2020. So for me, that kind of, that little NWHL bubble sort of brought me back into the fold of women's hockey. Fast forward to March and wrapping up the college scene. Um, what was kind of cool, and again, I'm trying to th- talk about like new developments in women's hockey over the last year, like the things that really stood out, was um, they got the Frozen Four broadcast on ESPNU instead of the Big Ten Network. So again, it's going to be um, seen by more people. But more important to that, from my perspective, is just they got AJ Malesko to do the um, color commentary. And obviously she is, you know, a Patty Kaz winner, gold, med- gold medalist, does NHL work um, in color commentary. But I think what was cool was that she, um, she is obviously a hard worker because she came in and did the color for the NCAA Frozen Four. And then she also went and did some American PWHPA events. And then she did the final NWHL um, championship weekend, did the color commentary. So that's like four different groups, four different leagues. Um, and it's just cool to have, personally, I'm a big fan of crossover work. I think that's a great way to, um, bring fans, um, to new leagues. Um, and, uh, and it's also just, especially in women's hockey, where, where we are fractured, I, I just think it sends such a good message to have somebody who's in the um, to jump from NCAA to P-Dub to N-Dub. I, I really like that. Um, so so that's that. Um, and then after that, we went to, um, let's see here, what was next? After the NCAAs happened, we were in like a whole bunch of cancellations for a while and things got a little depressing. But um, Canada really stepped up, uh, Hockey Canada, I should say, stepped up when um, Ian Rankin, uh, premier of Nova Scotia, um, had to cancel for health reasons the world championships that were supposed to be held in Nova Scotia. Um, That was devastating and depressing for a lot of reasons. But I think one bright thing that came out of it was how Hockey Canada really did have the ladies back and they were like, we're going to make this happen. And then they did make it happen. Um... And I'm sure it was all very expensive and best case scenario would have been if it just played out in Halifax like it had meant to. There's no question that they incurred extra costs to have to do it a second time. Um, But I think it was pretty quick from the time that um, it got cancelled to the time that Hockey Canada was like, no, 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 we're going to do everything we can to make that happen, make the worlds happen. So I think that was encouraging even though that was like pretty devastating when the the women lost their opportunity to play again. Um, and the other thing that came out of that was uh, 
That was the the secret cup that they played in Calgary got announced shortly thereafter. So you get the sense that the PWHPA sponsors and Sportsnet and um, Calgary Flames kind of recognized how these women um, had just lost a massive opportunity um, losing the worlds that were supposed to happen in Halifax and, and those entities kind of jumped in to put the secret cup on. So that was kind of a pop. That was like a really nice positive. Um, as a college hockey fan, I would be remiss if I didn't mention who won the NCAA championship. Um, should have mentioned that earlier. Um, that goal that was scored from behind the net by Daryl Watts, uh, John Tortorella probably wouldn't have liked it. It was kind of uh, certainly not an old-fashioned hockey goal, um, but it was a cool goal. And if you're a fan of of, of Watts, obviously, um, it was extra special. So uh, she's somebody that was her senior year, well, not really senior, fourth year, whatever you want to call it now, um, and, and college fans had been watching her for four years. So if anyone was going to score that goal in overtime, you know, in such a fashion as she did, um, banking it off a defender into the net. Um, I think that it was fitting that it was her. So uh, the Frozen Four delivered, put it like that. Um, other highlights of the year, I think the last one that I have in my notes here was just from Hockey Canada's perspective. Something that Hockey Canada has going right now is we have a young star who like burst onto the scene, um, and that is, of course, Sarah Fillier. Um, she was a highlight of 2021, no question about it. Um, she, at Worlds, she got, so just backing it up a little bit. So she plays at Princeton, obviously, when she's not with the national team. And I can't remember if she's played two seasons there or three. I want to say she's played two. And then for the 2021 season, she stayed home in Toronto because Princeton wasn't playing. And she just practiced with, like, Spooner and those guys. But we didn't get to see her at the PWHPA event, of course, because she, um, she's still a college kid, so she wouldn't be at that event. So we didn't really get to see her with the national team until Worlds. And I thought, I, was, I knew she was going to be great. I, did, I don't know if I really knew that she was um, going to be centering a line. I thought they might put her on wing. I didn't really know where. Um, but she, if I'm remembering this correctly, yeah, she centered um, Spooner and Dao. And so Fillier herself, so that was the second line. Um, and Fillier herself, you know, she had six points, but like she was a huge part in Spooner and Dao just having an awesome Women's World Championship. And I think that that line took a ton of pressure off of the first line, who also did amazing. Um so, and then obviously Fillier had a great rivalry series, five goals. That's absurd. Um, and she's like 21 years old. So I, I think that like, if you're Canadian, if you're a Canadian hockey fan, um, we have a young star who's pretty much performing um, on the senior team already. So that's a pretty exciting story of 2021. Um, I don't want to go off topic, but you know, weirdly, like, I feel like the United States could have that player, but they're, they're just the way that they've been using their roster has been a little bit different. So, um, in the rivalry series, so we will, we will see, um, we will see. I mean, I don't want to make it off. Like I think hockey Canada has 
um, the Olympics in the bag because I think it's a coin toss. Um, but uh, certainly in terms of young stars at the Worlds and the Rivalry Series, it was Villiers from Canada who shone above everybody else. Very quickly, <clears throat> just kind of the crappy things of the year. Um, just wanted to note them. RMU getting cut and then kind of brought back. Obviously getting brought back is fantastic. Um, but that was still just terrible. And similar to the world cancellation that I'll talk about here in a second, um, it was one of those things where, you know, they cut a girls program and a men's program. Um, but because there's fewer women's programs or girls programs, um, it had a disproportionate impact on the visibility of women's hockey. And so, or opportunities in women's hockey as well. So that was kind of why the RMU stuff was extra devastating um, on the women's side. But, I mean, they got they got the program back. It's going to be a two-year hiatus, whatever. Um, but anyways, that was certainly a low point. Um, I think Women's Worlds getting canceled was a low point when uh, Ian Rankin, you know, said for health reasons it needed to be canceled. Um, and then... Um, Kind of a smaller thing, but still something that hasn't gone unnoticed to me was just, you know, it's a positive for her. But um, in the women's hockey media space, we're, we're kind of missing Marissa and Jemmy. Um, she even published something just last week regarding um, women's hockey. But she used to cover the NWHL or now the PHF quite a bit. And she's not doing that anymore, obviously, being out in Seattle where there's no women's hockey team. So... Definitely that's something that um just kind of aware of that we're, we're missing a little bit. Even though I'm very happy for her. Um, on the U18 Girls World Championship, I think it's kind of hard to know what to say because everything's already been said. Um, I think one of the things that's most upsetting about it was just, it was almost like the IHF didn't realize how upset everyone was going to be that that was canceled. And that just makes you wonder, like, do they just not get it? Do they not get how much people love girls and women's sports, specifically hockey? Um, and do they, do they not understand what North American girls and women's hockey has been through um, the past few years? Because there's a big laundry list of things, right? So I think that was just tough being like, wow, they just don't seem to get it. Um, and I don't even have it in me to, to, to rage about it or rail about it. I mean, for a few different reasons. For one, it, it, it really is just so devastating when you, when I think about it in context of, you know, when I was a kid, um, some of the experiences, um, and just wanting it to be different for for the women and girls today. And I don't feel any need to um, um, get really worked up about the past because you can't change the past. But, but when you see stuff repeating or just feeling like it's going nowhere, it just, it's, it's almost too sad to even talk about. And, and, uh, and and that's kind of just how I feel about it. It's it's like it's honestly just so sad. Now, incredibly, 
um, the the petition that they they made to bring it back. It has over eighty thousand signatures, and that is going to be delivered to the IIHF um, to help, hopefully, help them understand that it is now a day and age where a lot of hockey fans they don't want to just they don't want it to be a culture where only the boys and men have opportunities. Um, and so hopefully that message will get delivered and received by the IHF. Um, the IHF obviously had literally, they, they could not have had a worse week. And um, obviously that impacts every corner of hockey. Um, so as much as I was angry at the IHF, they are also a partner of women's hockey, whether we like it or not, or regardless of what we think of them. So I think we all have to kind of move forward, move on, um, believe that positive progress is going to continue to be made, just like all the stuff that happened over the past year. There was a bunch of positive things that happened that I just mentioned. Um, and we just have to go from there and see what happens. Um, the, the thing that IHF published on Twitter, um, their defense of why the U18 girls was canceled and the, the boys wasn't, or the U20 men's wasn't, etc. Um, it was like they took the worst part of Luke Tardif's statement and put that on the internet. I have absolutely no idea why they did that. Um, but if you actually click into the article, they actually list out a bunch of positive things that he's done since becoming the president. And like, personally, I'm just going to choose to focus on those things um, and see what 2022 brings. You know, um, he perhaps bit, most importantly in this writing a wrong that should have been fixed 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, the IHF council has approved to have the women's world championships at the senior level played in Olympic years. So that's a huge step forward right there. So for me personally, they need to obviously, when COVID calms down, hopefully get this U18 tournament played. Might be June or July, but whatever. Um, but I'm also just going to like, you know, just try to they asked to be judged. They said, judge us at the end, not the middle. And I think my official stance is, okay, let's give it a try. Let's judge you at the end. We'll see what you guys do. Um, give them some grace. And uh, it's not, be like I say, it's not because I'm a virtuous person. It's just, you, you can't get mired in the negative stuff that happens. You've got to be, in my opinion, kind of fighting these battles, you know, write a petition, get angry, send that message, but then be willing to move on and celebrate the good stuff because that's the whole point of being here. Um, so that's what we'll do. And on that note, I'll say goodbye and say thanks for listening this year and uh, hope to do another podcast here soon. Um, December was a wild month, I'm sure. Well, I think all over the world. Um, it's a busy month and then you throw the new coronavirus surge that happened. Um, we had COVID at our house. It's just kind of been a wild month. So, um, hopefully we can all get some rest this, this last weekend here or this tomorrow and the next day weekend. 
and uh, get back at it for 2022 on Monday. So thanks again and talk to you soon. Bye.